Hello everyone and welcome to episode 178 of Final Fantasy Union. I am your host Daryl and I'm here with Laura. Hi guys. We are T minus a month mm. until until baby number two. Yeah, I was actually just like, wait, what are you, what are you talking about? What's happening in, t- what's happening yeah, in a month? Yeah, what's happening in a month? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, um, less than a month or about a month. Mm. It's crazy. Um <laughs> Obviously, we are we are um, aware that this may <laughs> make us quite um, strained for time, or quite uh, sort of pressed for time when the baby comes. But yes, I think... I, I think the due date is when we're supposed to be recording the episode, <laughs> uh, not the next one. No, the next episode. <laughs> but um, so that should be fun. I think I like honestly. I guess because we've done this before, I'm not feeling too. I'm not feeling too scared. Wait, what am I talking about? The due date is the is the one after the next episode. Um, yeah, hmm. not the next episode. The one after the next episode. Hmm. We are chilled. But, yeah, yeah, pretty chilled. Either way, probably too chilled. I think at yeah. this point, it's you know. I mean, that's the thing. The baby is just going to be a little pooping mess, and for the first few months, and screaming, and screaming, but it should be okay. But yeah. So, how does that relate to Final Fantasy? Well. Terror. We're going to be talking today <laughs> about remakes and remasters, uh, the rebirth of everything. So you're saying that my baby is a rebirth of something? I mean, it, if you believe in reincarnation. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I want her to be a re- reincarnation of someone. Um, so yeah, we are going to be talking about whether or not remakes and remasters show a lack of creativity within the industry uh we can specifically relate this to square as well if we want to but obviously it's a big trend that's been going throughout the industry for a while now actually mm-hmm. all industries really yeah yeah that's a very like, good point pretty actually, much yeah. all industries except mm. for like books books they're just like nah that's cool fine we'll reprint re- reprint it but oh no wait they are actually doing it with books because they're releasing the ultimanias but as translations yeah. Jeez, it's in every industry. <laughs> it's in every single industry. <laughs> and then after we uh, go on to that, we've got questions yes. that follow up. Um, but for you new folks who are listening, Final Fantasy Union is part of a podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union. And it's presented by the Gaming Union Network. We have a new show every Tuesday working in rotation with the Kingdom Hearts Union, although that schedule may be slightly changed depending on when the baby arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we come out on the iTunes store as well as FinalFantasyUnion.com. And if you head there, you can find all our news coverage by Brayden. We'll be editing in the hospital. <laughs> we may do. I mean... <laughs> There's going to be nothing else to do there, right? Yeah, it's true. Hospitals are kind of barren place. I mean, last time the delivery suite didn't have any kind of... It was just a big room that was unnecessarily large. Yeah. That had nothing else in it. Yeah, no, you just had like kind of pads to sit on. They weren't even like chairs. It was like it was like um, those sort of things. You have a gym, like um, the little uh, sort of cushiony um mats or whatever like what we had in nikito yeah and uh yeah uh the big pool for me that was yes. fun yes oh i loved that pool um all right so we're now going to go on to our patreon shout outs mm. and uh, this is for everyone who has pledged two dollars fifty or more per episode and we're going to start off with blue machine at blue machine lewis james nahi kablawi Barry Norton at nortron zero chris morales eric decker at choco taco michael graham Thurin Bullen at Massacre 23. Zach Duranto at Zed Duranto 58. Josh McNabb. Mohammed Kayum. Rachel Casterton at Urban Ray. Mike Shirley Donnelly at Curious Quail. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Mike. Ishbel Yella at Red Peppers. Vitanitas. Rob Porter at Squirty Birdie One. Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy. Nathaniel Jackson. Miles Ribbons. And David Calro. Last but not least, and I do I want know. to apologize to David because we had some uh, administrative errors. Yeah, I don't really know how that happened. We just. I you know. failed at life. <sighs> That's how it happened. I Aww. failed at life. I know. It's okay. It's okay. We we got him now. David, you are well loved and You are we, a super moderator on our super... Discord server. And now a two time fan gathering attendee. visitor attendee. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
So thank you so much. And he also managed to break Final Fantasy 15 in space of uh, twice in the space of about five <laughs> minutes, which I thought was quite impressive. How, what did he do? Just glitched the game. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He just wanted to just win. Like he just wanted to get He was trying. Glitch. Yeah. You got a good time as well. Yeah. All right. So on to our main topic, which is whether or not remakes and remasters show a lack of creativity. And this was actually uh, something that was suggested to us by Mike Jackson on YouTube. And specifically, his question was, um, you know, in relation to remasters like Final Fantasy X and Kingdom Hearts on the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4, I think he's kind of thinking, you know, was there a demand for both consoles? Is it just cash grabbing? Uh, does it take assets away from the creation of other things? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's there's numerous points to make around all of this because it is, an, it is a very interesting topic because I know there is that idea that when companies are working on the remakes and remasters it does take away from the creation of new things and there is a case for that um but i think there's a lot of stuff that happens that maybe people aren't so much aware of yeah definitely what we're going to start off first though is um why why they do these games and why they do release them on multiple consoles um so i've got some figures I love some facts and figures. Oh yes. Um, so, like, if we start off with Final Fantasy X first, if we, I'm going to look at Japanese sales because they're the most transparent around how much sales the games get. Uh, Europe and America are usually a bit more um, ambiguous about things. Like, you only hear about really random milestones that get set. Where in Japan, they just say everything. Um, <laughs> so, with uh, Final Fantasy X, that sold around three million copies when it first came out on the PlayStation Two. 10.2 then sold 2.3 million. That's a really good return rate. Yeah. Especially compared to 13 and Lightning Returns and uh, 13.2. But I guess that was the thing. It was like the first big sequel of any of the mainline mm. Final Fantasy And also games. it was a game that was really targeted at the Japanese audience, yeah. I would have said. But it still, is, it still is impressive considering that it had like three girls on the front as well. Three yep. women. Like it was not ever like this is men- like it was just like Men. this is women this is women and then so if we're looking at the hd remasters um so the uh it sold a lot basically mm-hmm. we're looking at 1.2 million copies of for the remasters and 53,000 of those came on the playstation 4 so that 1.2 million um minus so 1.15 million was split across the playstation 3 and the vita and if we're looking at like kind of what that means, it means if we're totaling up the Final Fantasy X franchise, the remaster sold about 22% of the original sales. If we're just saying that it's based around Final Fantasy uh, X sales originally and saying that the X2 ones don't really count and it didn't really maybe bring in too many additional sales, then really the game sold, the HD remaster sold almost half of the original game in Japan, mm. which is pretty impressive, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that alone just sort of shows you, like, why not? And I think the main thing here is in terms of why it's... I guess you have to look at it from the perspective of, you know, why do people emulate games as well? It's because if you didn't have a PlayStation 2, maybe you weren't old enough to play Tim mm. when it first came out. You know, this remaster came out almost... Uh, 13 years after the original game some people may not have even been born then there's also the thing that like some people have sold their playstation 2s off um my playstation 2 unfortunately suffered greatly at the hands of the um uk electrics um i basically plugged in my playstation 2 and it just went and uh, died (laughs) and so i was very devastated but finding that they've re-released a lot of the games that i loved to play on that anyway like i was i was ecstatic i was i was extremely happy and of course there's the minimalist in me that i just don't have the space for more consoles like if i had the space to fit in every single console that i've ever owned just so that i could play like one or two games That'd be amazing. But I mean, I don't. It, it, it is a shame in some ways because obviously, if backwards compatibility existed, you wouldn't necessarily have to go through this. Yeah. But then, you're okay. So, doing some rough calculations around this, let's say that, so in Japan, we know it sold 1.2 million copies. Let's say that in the rest of the world, um, it was a similar thing. So, I think Final Fantasy X, Ten Two has sold around 14 million copies worldwide. Let's say 20, like 10 to 20% uplift in those countries. 
you're looking at around like two to three million copies sold of the HD remaster mm. um, globally, which could, I mean, so I think I'm working on the basis that publishers receive 45% of the revenue. I know that if you're doing digital sales, it would probably be more than that. Um, but but net wise, you're probably looking at around uh, 30 to 45 million dollars they made from yeah. this remaster, which based on how much it would have cost them to produce, which would have been nowhere near that, like it's an incredibly profitable endeavor for them. And it yeah. means that they can then reinvest that capital in other things, such as the creation of new properties. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to further caveat that, um, uh, your other point about like creativity and uh, stunting um, other people within the company who could be working on other things. Um, with Final Fantasy X, X2 in particular, they actually outsourced quite a bit of the remaster. So it wasn't even that it was using their sort of like resources as much. Um, I don't think they completely looked over it, but um, it, it was a Chinese developer called Virtuos. Um, they handled a majority of the Final Fantasy X, X2 HD remaster. Um, so... They they outsourced. They had another company. They they handed it to them. They they oversaw it. Obviously, they probably had people who were just like, "This is good. This is not good," and that sort of thing. But um, at the end of the day, like it was kind of out of Square Enix's hands anyway. Yeah, and like they also worked on the Zodiac Age as well, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that for that, the like some of the prominent guys who worked on the original Final Fantasy twelve and uh, the Zodiac job system did oversee the work that was being done on the Zodiac Age. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the majority of the, the heavy lifting the implementation would have been done by this Chinese developer called Virtuous. So really the cost would have been, I would have thought relatively low for mm-hmm. that. So yeah, like if you're thinking like the 10, 10.2 HD remaster, let's say they made yeah 30 to $45 million from that. That's a good return. Yeah. And, you know, then- For not we, a lot of work yeah. and for then, them. You know, so if we're looking at the Zodiac Age, so again, doing the same comparison, um, in Japan, the original sold around 2.4 million copies, which is only just more than 10 to. Still, still gets me every time that like, <laughs> the sales are similar. Um, in but the Zodiac Age only sold around 170 thousand copies, which is yeah. only seven seven percent of the original. But still, you're looking on the same model. Um, if we then upscale that to the rest of the world, I think um, 12 maybe sold around six million copies. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at around I don't know. I think no, I think they said the Zodiac Age has maybe sold a million copies worldwide. So then, like, actually, is becoming. Like again, they probably made over ten, fifteen, twenty million dollars yeah. from 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 that outlay. And also, the difference between the Zodiac Age and the Ten Ten Two HD remaster is that although there was some new content in Ten Ten Two HD, which we would have, I mean, like yeah, for for Americans, never had the Dark Aeons before, never yeah. had Penance. But they didn't um, even then, have to do anything about it because the international version already had it. Like yeah, English and, people already had and, it. And you know, for for the for for the West in general, uh, for Ten Two, Last Mission was included. We never had that before. Mm. Zodiac Cage. They included loads of new stuff. It was all about the Zodiac Job System, the international yeah. version, which we never had before. So really, the Zodiac Cage was a new, like a new game. So not yeah. only did it mean that people could try and play the original story, that that older players could also go back and experience something new. Yeah. And like for that, like that, that is, that's something that people have requested, like probably when it first came out with the Zodiac, um, the Zodiac job system in, um, in Japan, which is, um, aptly named international Zodiac job system. I think it was, um, I don't know why they always call it international when it doesn't actually release. Um, it's because it's based on feedback from the international yeah, version, I yeah, believe. But no, the the actual international people don't deserve to actually have a copy no, of it. No, no, of course not. Um, although that being said, they do actually release content internationally that Japanese people don't get yeah. off the bat as well. Because that's the whole point, right? So they release yeah. it in Japan, then when they're releasing it in America and Europe in the past, they would then tweak the game yeah. and make modifications, get like rid of bugs Final and etc. Like Final Fantasy had more bosses. Exactly. And, that and then they would then re-release that game to the Japanese public. But either way, getting back to the topic, I mean, I I still think like, yeah, I from Zodiac Age and Final Fantasy X considered and the fact that they outsourced them, um, it's it's really nothing that Square Enix had to do. Like, it's really... 
uh, it's just easy money for them. And being with um, the fact that they put it on the PS3 and PS4, I think for Final Fantasy X specifically, I feel like it was kind of released at the end point of the PS3. So they just kind of wanted to include both. And I don't think there's really any harm in that. Yeah, I mean, we saw from the sales of, of that one that there wasn't really that much appetite. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, it still sold 50,000 copies in, in Japan. It's 50,000 copies is, they wouldn't have which gotten. Is, yeah, which is decent considering the fact that, you know, you're looking at Type 0 HD only sold 150,000 copies. Mm-hmm. So it sold a third of that. And it had already been released on the PlayStation 3 and the Vita before that. And did they release it on Steam around the same time? I feel as they did actually i didn't even include steam sales Mm. on this as well so yeah like it's probably sold way more than that yeah possibly um the other the other one you asked about was kingdom hearts and i think that's slightly different so obviously kingdom hearts in um in japan has never really been like a massive seller on the scale of final fantasy so the original sold 1.4 then uh kingdom hearts 2 actually sold more 1.6 but then, like I think, Birth by Sleep was around nine hundred thousand. Three five eight was uh, about five hundred thousand, and then uh, Kingdom Hearts three D only sold about three sixty, three hundred sixty thousand. Mm. So the sales have been like really declining around the Kingdom Hearts franchise over time. But then, if you look at the the HD remasters, so you got one point five, two point five, and then of course you got um, the combined one they did on the PlayStation four, and then Final Chapter Prologue as well. They've sold around eight hundred thousand copies of those collectively, which is about 20% of the total franchise sales again. But the interesting thing here is that the combined version and Final Chapter Prologue accommodated about 50% of those sales. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I think the way that they did it probably worked better in the sense mm-hmm. that they had 1.5 and then 2.5 on the PlayStation 3 as separate games. They then combined them for the PlayStation 4 and then they obviously had Final Chapter Prologue as well. Um, I feel like that one though is a bit che- is a bit more cheeky Mm. because they clearly knew they were going to do this they they chose to release them separately and then they chose to combine them it was a i you know yeah that one's a little bit shady yeah that that is a little bit shady but it's the time. original the, it's time right yeah. so they, they, they probably wouldn't have been able to release them at the same time because they wanted to get one out and the original decision to do it in the first place was quite good in the sense that um they're they were preparing for kingdom hearts 3 and they knew that a lot of the people didn't buy the um, consoles that a lot of the games came out on. Unfortunately, with Kingdom Hearts, they spread them out over like various consoles. Um, I mean, it's actually it's actually quite surprising how how sort of I mean, it didn't do poorly, obviously, but it, it could have done better in Japan considering their affinity towards handheld consoles. Like a considerable amount of Kingdom Hearts games yeah, have I mean, been on the fact handhelds. that Kingdom Hearts 3D sold so little. Mm-hmm. That's the one that for me, like it sold less than three five eight. But even still, I still think like, um, especially for people who don't don't necessarily have handhelds, that was a good move because it gave like people like me, like I didn't have I didn't have the money back then to buy a bunch of handhelds. Nor was I really interested in having one. And I'm just one of those people who like. I won't buy a console just for one game. Like mm. I have to buy it for loads, and I w- I wouldn't have bought it just for Kingdom Hearts. Um, so, so yeah, I, yeah, I, I see the benefit. In yeah, doing this. and I think so that's 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 the remaster side. Like yeah. they they don't really take valuable assets away from anything. If anything, they actually help to promote the um, creation of of new things because they generate all this extra revenue. Yeah. So you know, uh, ten ten two type zero Zodiac Age Kingdom Hearts. You know those those games would have probably made between fifty to a hundred million dollars. I would have thought mm-hmm. for the company, which they can then reinvest into other things. Now, obviously, there would have been some outlay, but it wouldn't have been huge. No. Um. Yeah. So it's it, it's all about like reinvesting that, and then we get onto the remakes, though. So the remakes are a different thing. Obviously, at the moment, if we're talking about remakes, there have been some in the past. You've got um uh one and two have been remade, three and four. They then stopped after that, I believe. Um, and but again, those games were outsourced, so there were some uh, there was some creative talent that working on that worked on the original games that was that oversaw the creation of those remakes. But again, they were outsourced; they weren't really um, done by any of the main internal teams. Seven though is a very different prop- property. Now that was originally outsourced, but they decided that it was not coming along correctly, so they mm-hmm. decided to take it all in house. That is potentially one that is 
you could argue is taking away valuable assets around creation and it, it, it you could argue that it is showing a lack of creative thought because why do they need to remake it yeah it's a similar argument though i'd say in the sense that there are lots of people that maybe don't want to experience final fantasy 7 in the way it was i mean the game's sold enough copies now right and if we're looking at the the, the sell-through rate i think final fantasy 7 maybe is up to um 12 13 million copies now mm-hmm. even if it sells you know 20 30 percent of that you're still looking at a good good return on that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a shame, really. That I would expect they, they wanted to sell way more than that, though. Yeah, um, but I feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity with um, with the Final Fantasy VII compilation in the sense that they're completely abandoning it because I think there's a lot of people who probably still would love to have played Crisis Core. Like, Crisis Core has a very big fan base, um, at least it did back in the day when it was released, um, it's kind of one of those games where if you were around to play it, you loved it. And, you know, if you weren't around to play it, you sort of think, oh, that would have been a fun game to play, but I can't play it now because obviously it was on the PSP, um, unless you get a, like a PSP. But like, I feel like that would have been cool to be able to have like the Kingdom Hearts 1.5, 2.5 thing, um, have like maybe a, a, a fresher version of Final Fantasy VII with uh retranslation um because i i think that there's a lot of stuff that they missed out with the original uh, english translation um crisis core and even just dirge of cerberus because i think there's a lot of people who even want to go back and just play dirge of cerberus cerberus even though the gameplay is like a bit naff like the story is really good and it is worth it um i'd also say like it in a way, the fact that they aren't doing that shows that they don't really look at this as a cash-grabbing thing because mm. they could easily have released a compilation of Final Fantasy VII Collection, yeah. put in Advent Children as a movie, yeah, do HD versions of Crisis Core and Dojo Cerberus. They could have done what they did um, with Days and done like a movie version of Before Crisis. Yeah. Like they could have easily done that and then used that to help again promote the Final Fantasy VII remake. They could put trailers in there, put in a demo or something. But they have clearly said that they are not doing that. No. Like, Tabata has said he doesn't want to do Crisis Core HD. There's no interest. And Nomura has obviously said that they're moving away from the the old compilation lore. So if they were trying to just cash grab and gain more assets, uh, financial assets, then I would have they would have done that, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. But um, either way, like, that's just, that's just how I feel about it. But, um... I mean, with the other remasters or sort of remakes that they've done, I I liked the remake of um of three that they did. I, I sort of liked the style of three and four. Um, they included obviously voice acting in four, which was interesting. Um, five and six were I think they were probably outsourced. Well, they 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 you, looked you mean like the they iPhone were. versions? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They they. Yeah, like the graphics on them aren't that great, but still they do still provide the opportunity for people who weren't able to play them to play them. Like I love being able to play six on Steam. Yeah, and I think that's that's the main thing really because, I mean, as much as we want to um, be all nostalgic and say, yeah, okay, so we didn't get Final Fantasy 3 in Europe. Let's just go back and play the NES version. Like, I don't like that would be such a turnoff for the younger generations now to go back and try and play the NES version. And like, I don't think anyone really goes back and and tries to play the original versions of one and two either. Like you're more likely to play. Unless you're really dedicated. But like you're more likely to play the Origins version, Mm -hmm. Dawn of Souls. Like there's, there's newer versions. There's more content. Like the advanced versions are actually like, I hear they're even better than the first than the original. Yeah, and like they didn't really change that much. They just updated the graphics, like brought it on a generation, mm-hmm. and added a couple dungeons and stuff. But yeah, like I, I think that there is, I think that there is a lot of benefit, and I don't the way that Square Enix handles them. I don't think that there is as much as people probably think there is. If you, if you just notice the fact that they do outsource quite a bit of it. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think yeah, the only thing that I that you could argue is taking away is is the final fantasy 7 remake mm. yes they could have easily worked on final fantasy 16 instead of that game mm. but you know the final fantasy 7 remake unfortunately for some people is 
a, a heavily requested game and you know the, the Katarze and Nomura were getting asked about it constantly towards yeah. the end so oh. they just said it <laughs> was a bit of a puberty moment I went yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oops. sorry it's fine we're keeping it in um yeah like they were constantly getting asked about it so from their perspective it makes sense to do it because you know it's what fans want well yeah and like if you're looking at the gaming stratosphere right now it is the most hyped for game any snippet or small morsel of news that comes out <laughs> around it it just gets latched upon like there there are websites like the kind of spam websites they are writing news updates about the seven remake pretty much daily just with false information because they know it gets clicks it's like i it reminds me of those little those little woodlouse like outside like when you have something wet that's turned over and then you lift it up and it's just the woodlouse and they're just like scatter 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 it's like they all just like they all just like group together and they're just like we're so excited there's water here that's what it's like with Final Fantasy VII Remake. You're all little woodlasses. <laughs> all craving that information. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it, it is, it, it's even still, it is just so sought after. But yeah, so I, I, my final point is just, yeah, I think that they're, I think that they're worth it. And I don't think that they, I don't think that they do any detriment really to Square Enix that much. Now, obviously the problem that Square Enix have is that they haven't really shown anything based on all the revenue they've generated from these remasters yeah, in terms is, of creativity that is the sort of thing yeah like you like yeah sure theoretically they are going to reinvest that but what have they put out recently what have they put it into yeah i'm yeah and that that is the thing and that's why i guess to, mobile games yeah to people it does seem like that but even like mobile games they make so much money from that where is that money going towards then like i mean they made so much from a new empire like, where is that going to go? Well, I mean, that one, they just, they get cut. Yeah, but they're probably... I still made, what, like $230 million uh, yeah, last year? Yeah, they're still going to get, like, a pretty nice little nest egg from that. Yeah. Well, Tabata's it's got its own studio and now, then right? Also, so it's yeah. going into his new game. And then they're also going to get Kingdom Hearts 3's, Kingdom Hearts 3's profits, which are probably going to be quite considerable. I'm curious to see how much that's going to sell, because, yeah, like, Kingdom Hearts 2, I think, maybe sold five, six million mm. worldwide. If it can beat that, it's going to be great. I, I think it should do based on it how it's do. trending. Mm-hmm. All right. So with that out of the way, we're going to move <laughs> on to our question segment. And uh, the first question is very topical. Um, do you think it's from Chris Lemon uh, on YouTube? And they want to know, do we think there's a possibility for 10.3 or a Final Fantasy X remake? I don't no <laughs> like i feel like i would want something from 10-3 just because of the cliffhanger that they left us on um whether or not i think that there will be a 10 remake i doubt it like i just I don't, don't think, think it's, it's one necessary of those... no i think that final fantasy 10 has aged quite well and even though, like, maybe the models are a bit naff, the music is a bit... Uh, the, I mean, the facial cringe. animations on that HD version are not the best. It's still a great game, though. Like, it's still fun to play. And it's still... there. There's a lot of really good character development, character arcs in there that just make it fun still. I mean, like, you don't play through Final Fantasy VIII and be like, oh, this is so, like, well, I, d- I at least don't really pay too much attention to the fact that Squall's face looks like it's been beaten with a frying pan. Um, But, like, yeah, I just, I, maybe it's just me, but, like, it doesn't really matter that much to me. But I think that's because you're going into it with nostalgic eyes. Yeah, and it's very true. But I think, yeah, 10... 10 uh has has aged well mm-hmm. um as for but say on that ba- on that basis i don't think there needs to be a 10 remake at all like yeah. not anytime soon yeah definitely not not after they just did 10 2 like yeah. low. um as for 10 3 like i mean hashimoto has said that he wants to do it mm-hmm. uh the problem is that the 7 remake is taking too long and mm-hmm. that's the team that would be working on it essentially uh, you think so? You don't think it would be uh, well? He Mobius. said that he said that it was because uh, Nomura and Katazi are too busy. Mm. So, because I feel like Toriyama could realistically work on it, but whether or not they would let him. Yeah, and also like you know, got to think that a lot of the resources in that team, the higher end resources, are going into the Seven Remake right now. Yeah, Mobius is more of like a kind of spin off. 
project for them mm-hmm. so they don't have to put too much investment of the top tier talent into it yeah um whereas obviously if they did 10 3 then they'd want to make it look like a modern day final fantasy they wouldn't just but then that's the thing right yeah. so because i feel that t- uh, that 10 has aged quite well i would not have a problem with them releasing 10 3 and its graphics looking exactly the same as they do in the 10 10 2 hd remaster yeah and based on the sales that we're seeing where the 10 10 2 hd remaster has sold around 1.2 well probably around 2 to 3 million copies globally with those graphics there are clearly at least th- 2 to 3 million people that would be interested in seeing a 10 3 with those graphics yeah yeah i would be happy to um but yeah, so so that's sort of how we feel about that, like whether or not we want one for ten three. I want ten three. I, I just don't I know what 10-3. it needs to be around. I, I mean, would oh oh, but if they did a prequel, but they ooh, that, ooh, that's ooh, the thing that they won't though because they've obviously started the story arc of I know everything happening afterwards with the audio drama and stuff. <sighs> but it would be so good, and ten, so many people Final want Fantasy ten zero ten zero, like that would. Oh, that would make my heart sore. Anyways, all right. So this next one is from Armadeus from Discord, who asks, "What do you like and/or dislike about each Final Fantasy mobile game?" It's a very broad question. There have been yeah, a, lot there's a lot of Final Fantasy mobile um, games. Should we go yeah. with the big four? All the bravest. What do we like? I'm not including that. <laughs> to be honest, that Darryl was what and I happens even... when Nomura gets involved with mobile games. <laughs> to be honest, Daryl and I didn't even really touch that one. To be fair, oh dear. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Let's just do the main four at the moment. Um, so we'll start with um, what was the first one that Record came out? Keeper. Record Keeper. I liked Record Keeper. I mean, the only thing that I got a bit overwhelmed with, and would does kind of happen with mobile games for me is that i'm very frugal and i don't like to spend money so i feel if i start feeling like i'm being left behind and like things are not coming to me as easily because i've not gotten this weapon or this weapon i i i get a bit i i just get a bit fed up like i don't i'm not much of a of a crafter when it comes to um like weaponry i i tend to just kind of like to stick to my the stuff that i get like the equipment that i get so like the forging system which is a system that's in a lot of the mobile games i just didn't really i i just that's not my cup of tea it's just not something that i i enjoy I I mean I know that one of the big things around the mobile games is the like the random number generation. You're doing draws to get certain weapons and stuff, and that really that's the thing that really grates me around all of them because mm. even uh, in like Brave Exvius, like there's no guarantee you're going to get characters. Yeah, like it's all based around luck, and that I think that's just really it's it's a it's a great way for them to generate money and keep people interested, but I think it's really kind of dishonest in a way because mm. like no matter what you do the game can just say no yeah you can't get that and i think that's really unfair mm. i think opera omnia did has done it in a slightly better way obviously they still have that mechanic in there for weapons and armor but characters are guaranteed as long as you fulfill the criteria so it's then much down much more down to you as a person you as a player how you're going to figure this out sure like you need the weapons to be able to do some of the missions uh and to get uh certain places but they they generally made unlocking characters really really easy yeah like i mean unlocking characters in record keeper you had to do pretty hard thing you had to do pretty hard missions didn't you i remember i missed out on like i think i missed out on one of the first ones like tifa or sephiroth or whatever and i was just like well i'm i'm not i don't want to continue this like i didn't get anybody so um so that's that one mobius I enjoyed like the only reason why I deleted it is because basically I just got fed up with waiting and we really did not like the chocobo event like that chocobo yeah. event was really annoying I, th- I think that's the again like so I'd say out of the out of the four big games include so you've got Record Keeper, Brave Exvius, Mobius and Opera Omnia Opera Omnia has clearly been my favorite out of mm. all of them because they it didn't treat me like an idiot. It didn't mm. treat me like I it was trying to gain money out of me at all. Sure, it was there, but it was so subtle. They didn't restrict play mm. based on like, oh, you don't have enough credits. You don't have enough whatevers to do another mission. You have to wait. Except for one area. Yeah. There's one area where you could do a limited amount at a time. And that was great. 
yeah like so opera omnia was was very engaging and to the point where we actually had to stop playing it because we were playing it too much <laughs> yeah i think the other ones like mobius yeah we were really into that at the beginning um it has probably the best story of mm. all of them yay toriyama yeah um and but the problem was yeah like the the lag between the, the japanese version and the global version was just killing it and that's ultimately why um we ended up stopping mobius because we were just fed up doing that stupid chocobo thing it just like it was okay to a point and like the poo poo mission was fun yeah the poo but mission the chocobo was so one cute. was just like oh this is just so much work i, know. I didn't want to do work, work. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't want to do work <laughs> you made a pun um but yeah and then um finally brave exvius i mean i think that's the one that we just literally didn't get into at all which is ironic considering it's the most popular i know um i I guess i was just burnt out from like record keeper at the time i just felt like oh this is another this is another game that i have to play and it's like a similar type of thing it probably isn't very similar um but like i just i just didn't feel up to it at that time i just didn't feel like i wanted to take part and so i just kind of let it go so i in my opinion i would say that mobius for me has the best mechanics mm-hmm. um and the best story opera omnia is close though i mm-hmm. think the, the way they implemented the brave system into opera omnia was great i think the opera omnia has the best uh like the best um use of drawing you in making mm-hmm. you feel like you're actually playing a game there's, there's limited restrictions. It doesn't really try to grab money from you. Um, I think that's the other ones are really bad for that. And yeah. especially Record Keeper and Brave Exvius. Yeah. So the next question is from Dave Marks on YouTube who asks, if a less alliance style or the more tech Final Fantasy titles, do you have a preference? Uh, I'd say my preference is, is kind of more steampunk. It's weird, yeah. like... Because a lot of the Final Fantasy games have that kind of blurred lines, like even the uh, the Evil, like lines. the Evilies, <laughs> the Evilies titles have that kind of traditional with the technology, because you know the Empire like, has loads of airships and stuff, and you know Final Fantasy VIII has like the kind of gun blades and like they've got like really old cars and and they're still using swords mm. and stuff. But then you go to Esther and it's all like super futuri- futuristic tech, space travel. Like a lot of the games have that kind of mix of stuff. Mm-hmm. even final fantasy 10 uh, has that because obviously you've got the whole stuff around machina and stuff like that um there's always been that kind of line between technology and fantasy which i've i've enjoyed mm-hmm. and there hasn't really been one that i've just said no i don't really th- this doesn't really resonate with me yeah well i think for me the only one that maybe i didn't resonate the most with was uh 15 but that's just because i didn't like I didn't like the clothing choices. I didn't like the clothing choices of 15. Like, I just didn't like... The only one I kind of liked was probably, like, Gladiolus's design and Ignis's design. But I really hated Noctis's design. I just... Oh, I just hated it. Oh, it just drives me mad. Prompto looked okay, I guess. But, like, I, I definitely prefer the designs of some of the older Final Fantasies. Like, I love the designs in 13... I thought that the characters all looked really cool. I liked sort of Zaza's almost like piratey sort of cloak um, outfit. I liked even like Fang with her little um, Trojan sort of warrior goddess type look. Um, and I love I love the designs in 12. Um, There's so many of them that I really, really love. But 15 was probably the only one that I was just kind of like, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not that that sold on this um like it just it just didn't feel like everything connected i guess because they were like outsiders like there was nobody else who really looked like them not saying that like the other games don't have that like 10 obviously nobody really looks like any of the characters of 10 but at least you still felt like they belonged in the world i mean yeah i I would say lulu's probably the one that looks most out out of place but like you still kind of feel like they work like they they still kind of like yeah they they still work within the world but yeah Lulu is probably the only one that's a bit like mm, that's a bit too much and Titus um or Titus. No, but he looks like a blitzball player but he though. does he looks like a blitzball player um and like nine I love the styles eight I love the styles seven like all of them pretty much 
except for 15. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so our next question is from Quaver on Discord, and they want to know, do you think Square Enix will ever let overseas external studios develop mainline Final Fantasy titles? <laughs> I mean... Uh, it depends. Do they want to be Konami? <laughs> I mean, like, it, all you've got to do is look at Square Enix themselves. Actually, I mean, Fortress was going to be a mainline Final Fantasy title, mm-hmm. and it was being developed by a Swedish company called Grin, got cancelled... Um, but whenever they've had a Western company work on a Japanese IP for them, it's never really worked out very well. No. I mean, Front Mission Evolved just... I don't. I really don't know what happened there because, I mean, uh, Double Helix are the guys who made it. They have had some bad games, but I think they did Killer Instinct as well, which from what I understand was really good. So mm. it it's really hard to say i I think i think that whenever that happens there's always just a disconnect because mind jack was that kind of combination yeah there was um but when they soul suspect no not soul suspect yeah murdered soul suspect but like do you know the japanese collaboration between square enix and platinum games was incredible they worked really well together and i think it must be because they have the same mindset i think when we ship things over to the you the western side it tends to go by way of money like it always seems to end up being about money somehow um i mean like granted like it's not like there are there are the cash cows in in japan who are focusing primarily on money but like i think that it seems to be a common trend that when they ship out to Western companies, the Western companies just sees how can we make this the most profitable game that we can. And well, it doesn't always end up okay. Like you take Konami, for example, with the Silent Hill franchise. The minute they started uh, shipping that out to Western companies, that was when the quality of the game, that's when the vision of the game went out the door. You have Konami as well. Like the that's Dark what I just Vo- said. Sorry, um, Capcom is Capcom, what I meant. Yeah. Uh, Dark Void was not very good. Uh, Dead Island, sorry, Dead Rising um, has been shipped out. Lost Planet was shipped out to Western companies. And I think like the main reason that they want to do it is because they feel like if they hire a Western developer, it will then help the them game, in the West. Yeah, it will help appeal to a Western audience. But it just never works because... The games were originally popular because they weren't Western. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing. Like, they were developed by Japanese companies with a Japanese mindset, and that's why people in the West like them. Mm-hmm. So they don't need to appeal to the Western audience. It's yeah. like that whole kind of chicken and egg thing that they don't really understand. I don't know why it seems to be keep happening where they're like, "Oh, the, this game has done has done really well by itself, being developed by a Japanese company. If we give it to a Western one, they'll oh, do even better." It's just, it's just like sort of CEO's opinion. It depends on the CEO's view of the world of um, of how they can better themselves. They just don't seem to pay attention to history com- repeating itself. So yeah, I think the answer is is not anytime no, soon. Please, not no. anytime soon. Maybe a sp- I could see a spin-off happening, but just not a mainline one. Not unless it's going to a company that's really going to be okay. Okay, um, the next one is from Jamie Wareham on Facebook, who asks, uh, many of the Final Fantasy games had had remakes with Final Fantasy VII next in line. Outside of technical improvements, what else do you think they could improve? Um, What else do you think they could do to improve the quality of the games we know and love? I mean, I think we kind of touched on it earlier in terms of what they've done with the original remakes of Final Fantasy I and II, just adding like slightly additional content, Mm -hmm. obviously tweaking the graphics um adding new story sequences and stuff in some instances where it makes sense the final fantasy 3 remake they obviously did tons like they added a they had a ford protagonist that we didn't yeah. have before they gave them more backstories they integrated them into the world i haven't really ever heard any complaints about the fact they did that no no i i really liked what they did with final fantasy 3 and even like the voice acting in Final Fantasy Four, I was happy with, you know, like it was just nice to just have something else there. Um, I mean, I'm I'm quite, I'm I'm quite a bit of a um, a stickler for like just sticking as much to the original as you can. I hate the oh, Brayden's gonna kill me. I hate the George Lucas aspect of just trying to 
add CGI and whatever. Not that that would happen with games, but like, you know, like where they just go take it just a bit too far. Like, I love the originals. If they had re-released like Star Wars in its sort of original form, but slightly just prettier, like slightly touched up, I would have been happy with that. It was when they started finicking with it. But this is more remakes as opposed to remasters. But so yeah. like if in the context of Final Fantasy VII... I'd say I'm, I probably I'm, prefer remasters. Then. I, I'm happy that they've they've chosen to do the line with the compilation instead so of not using it. They're going to rewrite it. It's going to be like Disney have been with Star Wars where they're just saying, mm. here's the expanded universe. Screw that. We're going to do it again. Okay, so we're going to keep the same core narrative. So the, the same core plot points will happen. But now a lot of the smaller characters are going to have a lot more development. There's going to be a much wider, richer, expanded universe within mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII. That I am totally down with because now, theoretically, the storytelling should be way better than it was back then when they were kind of fumbling around and not really knowing what they were doing. But then the issue comes with them cutting stuff. Well, they shouldn't cut anything. Now they should actually be expanding. mm because that's why it's multiple parts, right? I know, I know. But it's always the worry that they're going to have to cut things in order to make it fit. I mean, I still don't like the fact that it's multiple parts. It's a yeah. big irony, but... Yeah. yeah. But anyways. So yeah, I mean, I I would prefer just having... I'm I'm happy with just the remasters. I don't need... I don't need the remakes, really. Okay, so our next question is from How Dare She on Twitter. <laughs> How dare she? Uh, and they wanted to know, following the success of Octopath Traveler, is it time for Final Fantasy 16 to be developed in this style and aesthetic? So not necessarily graphically, but more around the focus on story and having a, like a complete world. Um, I mean, I guess. I, I, I mean, I would love, I would love bigger story, but like, I didn't mind. I didn't mind the gameplay in 15. I guess it's more around the fact that they seem to be prioritizing graphics, technical prowess, as opposed to actually fleshing out and creating a story. But and... I don't know how much of that was just because of the time restraints and the fact that, like, Tabata had to clean it up as much as he could to release then, it. I guess that you're looking at 13 as well, similar situation. Yeah, 13. But that also was in development hell, wasn't it? That also had a lot of issues. Like, the the problem is is the fact that, like, the recent games have all just seemed to run into massive issues. Yeah, every, like, 12, 13, and 15, and, and 14 as well. I think a big part of that is because they haven't been relying as much on people like Nojima to sort of clear up the story a bit. Because, like, what he would do essentially is sort of, like, reorganize the stories. Like, take everybody's ideas and then make them coherent. And I think that the lack of him or someone like him to really put together the game has been very bad for the series in general. Um, I think, yeah, because if we look at what has happened, if I'm using my memory correctly, um, Watanabe has been involved. Like Watanabe came on with 12 to try and fix that out. But obviously he came in at the end, so he didn't really have too much influence on that. 10 was Najima, but 13, I think Najima was was loosely involved but mm. it was much more uh toriyama had a lot more control with his writers and obviously 15 um najima again the wrote the, the base concept but um like they just i mean like there's nothing to say that najima being involved now would, would create anything that's fantastic either i mean the city nt story was was pretty embarrassing yeah um but that's the thing it's just his organization it's not when he writes it's when he's organizing yeah I, yeah. I think like it's it's hard because we don't really know who within Square Enix has the capacity to to do a lot of the stories now. Like the older games were, uh, you know, like Final Fantasy Nine. The concept and everything was was done by Sakaguchi and Ito. Yeah, and you know that that's like leading from the front essentially. Whereas now you wouldn't really have that situation happening. Like mm-hmm. the director coming up with, I don't, I, we don't even know who's going to direct the next one. But no. I think that kind of that notion how it used to be where like Sakaguchi came up with all the storylines and then they had someone else to kind of help craft it. That doesn't really happen so much anymore. I think it is just that thing though. It's hard when it's hard when you don't have the original visionary to come up with the similar sort of magic of the originals. I mean, it'd be like doing Metal Gear Solid without 
Kojima. And we all saw how that has gone so far. Yeah, like, it's just, it's so difficult when you don't have the original person. And I think that's why, I think that's why 15 did so poorly in comparison to how, like, Versus 13 might have been if, if Nomura had gotten his sort of stuff together. Like, um, because Tabata, it was Tabata's take on what Nomura had left over. I think it makes it difficult to really compare it to what we will see in the future. Um, But like, yeah, I mean, I I, I do hope that, you know, I really do hope that 16 is more is more organized. And I do look forward to whatever um, Tabata has in store for his um, his new title. I mean, you'd like to hope that from everything that they've seen, story is the one area they know they need to focus on because Mm -hmm. 12 people had issues with the story some people really love it but Mm. there's a lot of people that they didn't really resonate with 13 issues with the story 15 issues with the story yeah it's the one area that they need to fix and the the weird thing is that it's the most important aspect of an rpg the story the characters the world and that's the thing they seem to be really struggling with the most at the moment and to your point i guess is that it feels like they are focusing more on the graphics. How, like, how much of the, f- the conversation around fifteen was around graphics, technical capabilities, yeah. tech demos? Oh, we've got this partnership now. We're working with this. We've got these cool stuff. Even with the the PC version, that's what it's all been about. It's all been about can your PC even hack this game? It's mm-hmm. so great. Like, it's. But I feel like that's maybe because that that was the thing that they could control the most. Maybe. Because, like, I mean, yeah, I just feel like the story, like, they had to make sure that the game played, didn't they? Like, they had to make sure that the game played all right um, in order for them to release it. So, I mean, when you think about it just as a game, like, the game has to be able to work, doesn't it? So, if the game doesn't work, the story doesn't really matter because the game's broken. I mean, maybe they did maybe they did put too much into what they were trying to do with uh, the game being open world and stuff, but that was just the direction that they chose, and then that's just what they had to deal with, essentially, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, it was that well, they inherited, right? They couldn't... Yeah. If they, imagine if they turned around and said, actually, no, the game's not open world anymore. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, like, people would have, well... They would have yeah. gone, oh, it's going linear again, is it? I know, it's going linear. Yeah, and that was the thing as well, because so many people were angry about the fact that 13 was linear when every single freaking game is linear. Like, that that probably just sort of set them off of, like, oh, God, we have to make an open world game. So, yeah. Yeah. So our last question is from Catherine Stallwood on Facebook. Uh, they want to know, do you think there will ever be another tactics game, possibly on the Switch? I think it would be cool if they did. Um, I mean, I I've been really fascinated by the Tactics series just because like it's it's an area that I'm not necessarily too familiar with, and I would love to be able to play it. I mean, it's a bit disappointing that it's not on Steam or anything. Like, I would love to just be able to play through um, the original Tactics and. I think I think the problem with the Tactics series is that they they oversaturated it because. Mm. There's loads of different offshoots, obviously, uh, but you have like you have tactics. They did obviously War of the Lions, but then there's Tactics Advanced, Tactics A2. Then there's Crystal Defenders, Crystal mm. Guardians. Like they they've done so much to expand and build upon the Tactics franchise, and I think it's one of those weird situations where the more they did, the more they diluted it, and the less it sold. So then, in their minds, they're thinking oh, well, no one really wants to play Tactics anymore because... Yeah. But it's like what they ended up with now with like Crystal Guardians, I think, is the most recent version. It doesn't... It it bears some resemblance to, to the original work of Tactics, but yeah. it's it's hardly there anymore. But maybe just like a remake, like just, just, just put in Tactics on Switch or something. Yeah. I mean, they did obviously have that whole thing about they wanted to make another Tactics game and... Didn't if, they just release something with tactics though? Um, well, I there, sworn they did. There was the news story about the fact that there was a cancelled sequel, I think. Mm. Uh, and but there, you know, there's the whole thing about you know the the guys who are working on Zodiac Age. If that's done well enough for them to be able to make something that they want to make now, mm. maybe they'll make a tactics game. Uh, but yeah, I think that they would have to re reintroduce 
fans to the tactic series before they actually do anything but yeah yes i mean it's possible yeah. uh, autopath traveler has a similar graphical style they could easily just give it to the sets and the guys uh tokyo obg factor and say make a new tactics game with um the guys who worked on 12 originally yeah i i think it would be fun yeah there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so I think that's all the questions we answered. We answered a ton. Yeah, of we questions did. This episode. I know. Um, so yeah, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the discussions, and uh, I'm sure you all have your own points of view as well. Yes. Let us know on the Discord. Feel free to join. Uh, if you just go to the Final Fantasy Union website, click on the Discord link. There's over. I think we're closing on 500 people in our Discord server now. Yeah, not too Plenty bad. Plenty of discussions happening. Okay, so our music for this episode is from Final Fantasy VII. It's an arrangement of uh, Yuffie's theme, Descendant of Shinobi. No. And it's by Curtis Thorpe, who is... It's a, like a really nice acoustic guitar version, but he also plays the harmonica at the same time. <laughs> it's not one of those ones where like you, you have the channels where they play multiple instruments, but it's all kind of split up in separates. He's playing them both at the same time. It's pretty freaking impressive. Yeah, pretty freaking impressive. So our next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 4th of September not the baby's due date it's, no uh, but the day after your birthday day after i get a year older yeah 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 Aww. so if you want to find out again. if you want to find out how my birthday potentially panned out you should subscribe to our channel <laughs> on the <iTunes> store. <laughs> if Boom. you just search for final fantasy we're there or thereabouts and of course you can catch all of our news coverage at finalfantasyunion.com and if you feel like supporting us on patreon then why not head over to patreon.com forward slash ffkh union hmm. And with that, I think we need to wrap things up, Lauren. Bye, everyone. And I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production. 